Well, good evening this Wednesday night. Would you please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 45. Psalm 45. There's been a, a number of people I've talked to who said that they've had more time with their family or more time with their spouse in these days than in a long time because of this unusual time in our history where so many are unemployed or have reduced hours. There are some things that God is doing on in our church that I am excited about. One is this Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Although we are not able to meet publicly together um, because of the virus, we are having a turning to God, a seeking of God's face in prayer and fasting. That's what last Sunday's message was about. So 3.30 this Sunday as many as are willing and able to join in in some way. I mentioned a number of ways that we could fast and pray. If you're willing to do this, would you join with us at 3.30? And we're going to be going to God in a humble heart, asking God to forgive us our sins and to heal our land. It's a time of repentance and turning to God for God to work, heal our nation of this coronavirus. And God can do what no man can. Let's turn to him in prayer, especially this Sunday. Psalm 45 is where we are, and the title for today is Hold the Line, Don't Break Ranks. Hold the Line, Don't Break Ranks. Psalm 45, we're going to look at verse 16, and let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Oh God, I'm asking you to work in our midst and to turn us to you with all of our hearts that we might step up, be involved in the battle, on our knees, pleading with you. I pray particularly for the younger generation, that they would step up into ranks and turn to you in prayer as never before, for our church, for our nation, because we need you, Lord, we need you now. It's time for you to work, O oh God. Would you raise up the next generation to their knees? In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Right before we read it, I'd like to tell you a little bit about um, a quotation that was in an advertisement, uh, we believe. Um, some people believe that this was the advertisement put out by Sir Ernest Shackleton when he was about to set out on one of his expeditions. Printed in the paper was something to this effect. Men wanted... For hazardous journey to the South Pole, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. In speaking of it afterwards, it said that Sir Ernest Shackleton stated that the response to that advertisement was so overwhelming to his appeal that it seemed as though all the men of Great Britain were determined to accompany him. And it was a great response from what I hear. Well, the question today goes out. It is a question that, uh, similar to Ezekiel's in Ezekiel 22.30 for an intercessor. Similar to Isaiah 59, I'll read Ezekiel 22:30. It says, And I sought for a man among them 
that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Did you hear that? God seeking for a man that would stand in the gap before God. That is an intercessor. God says that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Isaiah 59.16 says, And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. I wonder, is God raising up, even now, intercessors from our midst at Briam Baptist from all ages, men and women? And I believe that's what God wants. There's another story about the Pony Express. Smaller advertisement. Of course, you're familiar with the Pony Express. It was a thrilling part of early American history, and it ran from St. Joseph, Missouri, all the way to Sacramento, California, a distance of 1,900 miles. And the trip was made in 10 days by 40 men, each riding about 50 miles a day, dashing along the trail on 500 of the best horses in the West. To conserve their weight, clothing was light, saddles were small and thin, no weapons were carried, and the horses themselves wore small shoes or none at all. The mail pouches were flat, and it said they were uh, only small letters were allowed. Letters had to be written on thin paper, and the postage was a, an enormous amount back then, $5 an ounce. So this, again, advertisement went out for young men. Here was the advertisement. It's very short. Wanted. Young, skinny, wiry fellas not over 18, must be expert riders, willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred. Well, there have been many days in our country's history men have been needed. Women have been needed in different times. Nurses in hospitals, men on the war front. Well, today more than ever, we need intercessors. We need people who will go to God in prayer for our country, not just for deliverance from a virus, but deliverance spiritually. We need a great awakening. So it is a call to arms, a call to knees. Hold the line. Don't break ranks. Psalm 45, verse number 16. The Bible says in Psalm 45, 16, Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, in whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I'm going to explain what the text means in just a few minutes. Let me apply it immediately, and then we'll go right back to the text. It is a sad word at first, instead, in the place of, thy fathers shall be thy children. The idea is, the fathers taken away, but now you have children who step up and take their place. It's not looking back, it's looking forward. It's looking to those who will rise up, the youth, the young people, calling them, they shall be princes in all the earth. And this is a call to stir up members of our church to pray, even the youngest, from every generation. Let me tell you, we have a goodly heritage if we look back at our spiritual forefathers. We have a goodly heritage in past days of men and women, mighty in prayer, who 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 were greatly used of God. But my question is, who will fill their places now? It was said by Silas Fox, who was a young man who learned to pray underneath Praying Hyde, or John Hyde, H-Y-D-E, who was a missionary in India, who it was said that he had a holy glow about him. He walked with God. He would be talking 
And you suddenly he'd just say, Lord, you heard that. That needs to be done. Right in the middle of a conversation, tears would come to his eyes, just tell, telling the Lord how much he loved him. Uh, this man, John Hyde, knew God's presence. John R. Rice. John R. Rice, he was also known down in Murfreesboro for his prayer, asking and receiving. He'd sometimes say, people recorded, Lord, you heard that. He'd turn to people, let's pray right now. Lord, would you do that? Wouldn't you? Would you? And he'd say it, pray with his eyes open. Lord, you promised to do this. Lord, you told us to do this, so we're doing it now. We're praying. He was known for breaking into singing just out of nowhere. My Jesus, I love you. And he'd clap along with his own singing, tears coming to his eyes, not even thinking about who was watching, who was listening, but who will fill these people's places. Hold the lines. Let's not break rank. Where are we to find the children, the younger, the middle-aged, the older, who will step up into the bank vacant places? We have been greatly blessed by God by having a spiritual heritage. But who will stand in the ranks now for God? Looking back, would you consider this? Moses, when he died, was no doubt greatly missed one of the great forefathers of Israel. You can imagine the people of God saying, who is going to guide us now? Who can lead us this so great a multitude? Who but Moses has power with God to stand between Israel and God's divine anger? Moses, the great intercessor who told God, take me, take my life, but don't destroy your people Israel in your wrath against their great sin. Who could stand in the place of Moses? As good as Joshua may be, no one would choose Joshua over Moses as leader. Well, but God did. Think of Elijah, that great prophet of the past, the man of who called down fire from heaven. Uh, he, he said at one point in depression, I only am left. I'm sure a lot of people thought, what will we do when Elijah's gone? Lord, please don't take Elijah. We don't want Elisha. We'd rather keep Elijah. Uh, we don't like the word instead. Instead. There's a fear that those who come up in the ranks to come might be poor substitutes for the older and more spiritual of the congregation. It's kind of like Solomon. Who was it that followed Solomon when he died? Rehoboam. A fool. What about Eli? Eli was the godly priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were fools. Uh, can you imagine the con congregation of Israel? God, can we please keep Eli? No, you can't. God has already ordained that he would depart, and another would come in his stead. Instead. If one falls... There's got to be another to take up the ranks. The word instead, instead of the fathers, shall be the children. It's actually a note of encouragement. There's another to fill the ranks. Another, it speaks of a reserve. Someone who's on standby. Who's on call. Another instead will step up. If one labor is taken, there is another reserve to fill his place. Well... We believe that when the Lord replaces one set of servants with another set of servants from another generation, 
that God's power and grace are the same. So he tells Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Joshua 3.7 So God caused the people to see and say about Elijah, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And all the people saw it. In other words, God puts the same spirit on the newcomer. And the power remains the same because it's God's, though the human instrument may be different. Why does God give us an Elisha replacing an Elijah? Why does God take away Moses and give Joshua to his people Israel? Well, doesn't it show God is not dependent upon any one individual, not even Moses, not even Elijah? That's the point. God is no respecter of persons. He will hear and answer your prayers. If you're a child of God, you're walking with God, just as he did Elijah's. Isn't that what James's argument in the book of James 5.16? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah, Elias, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not. God heard Elijah. God will hear you too. He was a man of like passions, like sorrows, like despondency, like issues. Sometimes a change in intercessors, God calling up younger intercessors, bringing them up into the line of battle is healthy, it's good. Who, fo- who was it that followed Eli? Well, it wasn't his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they died. Wasn't it Samuel? That was a great improvement. Because there was no open vision, God wasn't speaking to Eli, but oh, he spoke to Samuel. Who followed Moses? Well, Joshua did. That's a good thing, because Joshua was young, able to carry a sword into battle, into the promised land. Be encouraged. Our sons and our daughters that are coming up, likely they are going to be more technologically suited for the days that are coming, and better equipped to even face the days. Let's pray that God moves and raises them up spiritually to walk with Him in a day of technological advancement and new battles to face. God has intercessors in every age. His prayer warriors, He still is calling there at hand and on knees in every age. God is not slack. He continues calling young people to pray in every hour of battle. So let's take up position. In the line of battle, let's pick up the slack where the lines are frayed, and let's take the name of Jesus forward. Number one, I want you to see in this passage God's good gift, calling up people. God's good gift, calling up people. Now, I've been doing some calling over the last several weeks with people around the church, going through calling, making sure folks are okay, seeing if anybody has any needs. But let me tell you, God calls up people. And that's a good gift when God calls Psalm 45, I'd like you to look at the verse again and some of the little bit of the surrounding context of the verse. Psalm 45 is a messianic psalm about Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. It is about the King of Kings' triumph and all of his taking his bride. If you were to look at Psalm 45, verse 6, a verse quoted in Hebrews, it says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Well, there's only one king who reigns on the throne forever and ever. His name is Jesus. You look at this passage, 
and it speaks of the king quite a bit and his rapping on his sword in verses 3 and 4, riding majestically into battle. It speaks of his garments smelling of myrrh and aloes and cassia in verse 8. And it talks about he hath anointed, God the Father anointed him with oil of gladness above his fellows. Verse 9 and 10, though, you see him, his bride. And you see in verse 10, very important verse in light of our, our, our uh, passage, verse 16. Verse 10 says, Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Imagine a, a man who's getting married, going and taking a bride. She's forsaking her father's house. She's leaving her family behind, and she's entering into a new relationship with a husband, her new family. And maybe she'll have children in the future. And that's why verse 16 says, Instead of thy father, instead of thy fathers shall be thy children. That's a new family. It's, it's entering into this new relationship with a husband. It's the king and his bride. Well, this could be a painful time for her, um, losing family, leaving them behind. But the whole rest of the psalm is cheering her up, encouraging her. Well, this whole point is, that he's saying, instead of your father's house, I'm going to give you good gifts. There's going to be a day you're going to have children and they're going to be, you're married to the king of kings, he says to his bride, his people. And he says there's going to be children that come and honor and lift up. The generations afterwards shall bring praise to thee forever and ever. Well, this is a wonderful passage that is all about um, looking forward to the next generation coming. And I want to take this passage and demonstrate and look that you to see that God's good gift, he is still calling up the next generation, calling up people. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children. Don't ever think that God, the godly are all gone and the faithful are all dead. God's warriors still live on and more are coming on that's what God says. Do you know that the godly shall not perish from off the face of the earth? There will always be a remnant. God's, God, the Almighty, you don't have to fear that he's going to run short of servants, like Walmart, running out of supplies. The Holy Spirit calls new laborers into his harvest. God is not going to allow his program to fail. Uh, his cause is not going to sink. Uh, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He is, and his plan is going to be victorious. And we see in this passage that instead of the fathers shall be the children. God's good gift, he's still calling up young people even in the ranks. And young people listening tonight, God's calling you to be an intercessor this very day. Number two, not just God's good gift calling up people, but God's faithfully calling new recruits. In every age. Now, there's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain from embracing. Well, we're in a time of social distancing right now. This would be the time to refrain from embracing. Life's full of changes. Not all, not all do we enjoy. But God has seasons of life. This is a season in which we need to make it a season of prayer. It's a time to seek the Lord. You know, it's kind of like in a garden. In God's garden, there were plants from last year. Some have gone home to heaven, and God has replaced them this year with others. 
Jesus said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. You know that there is now on the vine new branches growing, new leaves growing. Soon there will be new fruit. What am I saying? I'm saying God enlists young people coming up to step into the ranks, to be filled by the vine with that life-giving sap, with that fullness with the Spirit. God is calling individuals. Maybe you've only been saved for a short time. God is calling you, if you're a child of God, to be filled with the Spirit and go to God in prayer for our country, for a great awakening, for God to work. I believe there's a sensitivity that is developing. It's been said even on the news recently, that the the sale of Bibles has gone up exponentially during this time. People want answers. Do you know that it's always been God's order that when one set of laborers, after one set of laborers, comes another set. One follows another without fail, like the waves of a sea. One wave comes after another. You go to the beach, the waves keep rolling up and rolling up. Well, there's also one wave of labors in prayer that must follow another. You look at the waves, and sometimes they come in and then they recede back. Maybe it seems like there's times when the church has setbacks. But the next wave then rolls up in its place, and the tide comes on. The church of God does not die. We are in perpetuity. God's church will advance, will advance. And when one after another we finish our course, others must spring up and will spring up. And God's remnant people are always in the world, a light in the darkness. That's because God continues faithfully calling fresh recruits. This is the third. This should be God's encouragement. It's actually God's encouraging promise is point number three. God's encouraging promise Lean on God's word, shall, instead of thy fathers, shall be thy children. Shall be thy children. Well, obviously, even in our text, there's an illustration that's being given of the king taking his bride and promising the bride um, that there's going to be the future family, more coming up, a greater family, an enlarged family. And the picture of the bride and the groom is a picture of uh, Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. So we're looking at a picture in our text today. And so I don't think it's too much to, to continue using this picture, since the bride are God's people, and there are children that are come up. And he says, not looking back to the forefathers, go forward in the future. There are those coming up who will be princes, princes with God, princes on earth. And I want to point out God's encouraging promise. God shall. He says, instead of thy father shall be thy children. God will provide successors. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Did not God provide himself a lamb? Jesus Christ slain from the foundation of the earth. Did Jesus Christ not die on the cross for you, for me, for all? He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Well, I have a question for you. If God can provide himself a lamb, 
Can he provide a smaller thing? A new line of men and women to follow the Lamb? Can he provide a new wave of workers, of laborers, of intercessors who will overcome by the blood of the Lamb? Can he, can he raise up and call forth more who will intercede based on the blood of the Lamb? Can he call forth more whose names are already written down in the Lamb's book of life? They're already saved. They've already trusted Christ died for them. They're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb too, the next generation. These who, they're younger now, but they're saved. Children of God, maybe those still children. Well, let me tell you, there's coming a day when the bridegroom is going to come in an hour that we think not. So now is the day to labor while there's light. Now is the day of prayer and fasting, not despondency. So to prayer, to the throne room, to the mercy seat. If the line of battle wavers, if our ranks are broken, it's encouraging to remember, instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, God has reserves coming up. Remember the king of kings himself is coming victorious. Mark the signal. Hold the fort, for he is coming. When he comes, that'll be the end of our warfare, won't it? It'll be the the glory and the triumph of our faith. Last of all, not only is number one God's good gift calling up people, God's faith, God is faithfully calling up fresh recruits in every age. Number three, God's promise is encouraging. But number three, number four, hold the line. Don't break ranks. Well, instead of thy fathers shall be thy children. I ask you to look back at your spiritual forefathers, your predecessors. We have a great heritage. In America, we have the heritage of D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey. We have the heritage of R.A. Torrey. We have so many revivalists, even in our day, who are preaching the gospel. Well, we have many who have been humble servants of God. Long ago, we had, we had those who held not their own lives dear unto them. Men and women who died, of whom the world is not worthy, Hebrews says. So can we stand now in the day of battle, in his strength, and hold the line? Well, how do we do this? Pray for our country. Pray for personal revival. Pray that God will give us a heart, even though we're in different houses, meeting in our own houses during this governor-issued mandate to um, shelter at home. Let's pray for spiritual awakening. Uh, hold the line. Are we to be lazy and slovenly in a work which our forefathers did well? And this is... Uh, when I was, uh, years ago, when I was in high school, we had a teacher named Mr. Howe. Mr. Howe was one of our favorite teachers. He would, I remember one of the sayings he said in class was, he said, I'm southern born and southern bred. And when I die, I'll be southern dead. Wouldn't it be wonderful for a church to have missionaries born and bred in her, in her, Mighty prayer warriors for God, born and bred in our church. Charles Spurgeon used to say that he would never 
be satisfied until he could look over the map of the earth and say, Brother so-and-so is there. Sister so-and-so is there, turning the heathen to Christ and conquering the land to Jesus. Well, how do we do this? Parents, we must train our children to pray and walk with God from their youth and to war, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. They must pray with us from their youth. They must hear the burdens and needs of other countries. In just a few minutes, I'm gonna, we're going to um, post online a uh, compilation of missionary prayer letters. They need to hear the prayer letters. The needs of these missionaries, when we're, well, they need to meet missionaries, hear their stories, and begin to pick up spiritual weapons at an early age and wield them, the weapons of prayer and Bible study and memorization. Isn't that Second Timothy 3? And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, that our sons would be mighty men of battle and war from their youth for God. Mighty, trained up in God's vineyard from their earliest days. You know, the best training, the best training is not experience. It's learned from someone else's experience. It's young people, listen to and obey your parents. The best training is early training. There's, I want to speak to our, our youth that are listening just for a few moments. Speak to the young people listening. Are you prepared to take your parents' places in prayer? Your parents won't always be here. Now is the time to walk with God. You, you are the future. You are the church's hope. Do not disappoint us. Of course, Jesus Christ is our hope. But you're the next generation. You must be looking to Jesus as well. Consecrate yourselves early to God. Give yourself to prayer. Find your closet. Find a quiet spot. Kneel down. Get with God. God is calling you to step up in the ranks, to become an intercessor for your family, for your church, for, for God, to go to Him. You'll never regret it. Hold the line in prayer. Make up the hedge. Close up the ranks. If some others neglect their walk with God, or maybe some fall to the side spiritually. Or maybe some older men and women of God pass away. They pass on to their heavenly reward. Then stand ready, young man. Stand ready, young lady, to step up and take their place. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. We are companions together. We are laborers together in God's harvest. We're in the army of the Lord. Whether we're young or old, if we are children of God, we are part of God's army for Christ's sake. And to God be the glory. Let's go to battle spiritually this Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It is war. It is to our knees. It is spending time with God, asking God as we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways. Oh, that He will hear our prayer, forgive our sins, heal our land. God is our hope. In Him we trust. God is calling us to battle. If you're listening and you believe that God has spoken to your heart, calling you into the ranks 
of intercession. Well, hold the line. Don't break ranks. You say, God has others he'll use. No, Moses is gone. Elijah's gone. John R. Rice is gone. This is our day. If you're God's child, it's a good gift that he's called you up. God has faithfully called you. He's called you for this age to labor on. You're part of this wave of labors in the harvest. You're part of God's vineyard. This is an encouragement. Let's hold the lines. Let's commit ourselves to prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for raising up a new generation, every generation. But this is our day, and it's time to seek you. Would you stir your people to action? Would you help us not to be lazy or slothful in spirit, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, because the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Please use your people, raise them up, and bring us to our knees together in a concert of prayer this Sunday. For your honor, would you have mercy on America, heal our land, and more importantly than healing them physically, would you awaken our country to the reality of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, on Resurrection Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.